In the highlands of Japan, one tufty monkey likes to season its food, play in the snow, and waylay unsuspecting people in its free time. It uses all of its simian smarts to quickly learn new behaviors and then use them against their human interlopers. But being a pink-faced Eskimo in a cold climate means that the Japanese macaque needs to use every means at its disposal to survive here in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web at LDTaxonomy.com. And a very special thank you to our patrons, Tristan Taylor, Jesse Raspolich, Carol Raspolich, Paul Chomo, and a new patron, Richard Kaspar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, but it seems like that's the way you pronounce it. So thank you so much, everyone. Uh, your support is greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about a petite pink primate in plush parkas. But more on that later. Particularly plush parkas. Oh, yeah. I would even say. Got to throw some adverbs in there to get the alliteration train a going. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Japanese machref. Sure, the, yeah. Mac, uh, <laughs> That's English. That's words. The Japanese macaque mm-hmm. which is a monkey it's a monkey. small monkey it's also known as the snow monkey for reasons that will become apparent um uh but we're also going to call it here the mononoke monkeys nice and the hateful high roller hmm. because i put this um someone suggested this uh the the japanese macaque to me months ago maybe like last year and so i put it on the i put it on our, our our list and we're finally getting to it and it has just been thrust into t- the, the yeah. realm of topical yes uh things so it was like yes we're doing something topical for once do you I mean, this have anything week- about that because i i do and i'll have to edit on the fly yeah that that yeah that is i i've i cover it in its entirety okay um, unless you have something else you want to add to the end. Um, but yeah, we miss Shark Week every year, mm-hmm. but we're finally doing something topical. It's this monkey time. week now. It is monkey week hey, now. It's the week of me. the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> it's monkey I, week now. <laughs> I have the monkey now. <laughs> but how about, how about you taxonomize this macaque for us? Okay. Well, it's in the kingdom you know, love, and are in the kingdom Animalia. It's in the phylum Chordata. It's in the class Mammalia. You're doing a lot of the mammals now. Am I? I feel like we've done, we had a streak of worms. Yeah, we did. So, uh, it's, it's, I, I, this is like, I feel like I'm stretching. This but listeners can't air. live on a diet of worms. That's true. A uh, diet of worms. Yeah. Uh, I, because here we stand. 
We can do no other. Speaking of uh, order, the order is primates. Primates? Primates, yeah. The suborder is Haplorhini. We've done this before. Yeah, I think when we did the gelata monkey. Yes, old world monkeys. The infraorder is semiformes. Semiformes? Semiformes. Two, two, two eyes in the middle. That's the Power Ranger monkey. Just like form. my head. Semiforms. Uh, family. Cercopithicidae. Uh, Cercopithicidae? Cercopithicidae? Cercopithicities that the, the robot lady is saying in my ear. The genus is Mac- Macaca. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then the uh, species is um, Fuscata. Sounds like a, a, a wine or a bread. Macaca fiscata, what a wonderful phrase. What a wonderful <laughs> phrase. I got that in my notes. What a wonderful phrase. <laughs> Anytime we hit the right amount, amount of syllables with a binomial name, we say what a wonderful phrase. Yeah, but this one and, and it sounds like um like like it sounds a lot more like it. Also, um they both end in a. Yeah, so, it has that ring to it. But it also starts with macaca. And saying that it's a wonderful phrase after that is just delightful. <laughs> but since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show, Critter Groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question. That question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal? Or what is the collective noun? Or what is the term of venery? It's all the same. If you saw a group of monkeys, what would you call it? Would you say it's A, a troop of monkeys? Yes. B, uh, dang it <laughs> everyone knows it's a troop of monkeys i thought, I thought we had I everyone thought, knows that yeah that's the one i troop think is... army garrison or squad come on work with me <laughs> army of frogs right i know but there's multiples no i knew i that's the one i think if you have to if i had to guess like what is the the premier term of entry for monkeys I would say that troop. So we have not done many monkeys on this show. And the only other one we did, uh, I did barrel. So I was like, we have not done troop yet. My my heart of hearts knew that troop was the answer even before I looked it up. But um, I was hoping that maybe I could confuse you with um, the others. In <laughs> retrospect, I probably should have made it answer D. <laughs> or C but um <laughs> so you could get through them all so so that you could listen to them all and even potentially be swayed by them um cuz come on garrison and squad maybe squad of monkeys yeah the squirtle squad squirrels <laughs> come in squads um yes yeah, so, so if, it's a troop of monkeys um ding 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 you're correct how did you guess it you are so smart um, so you knew innately that it was troop. I get. So did I. That's why I thought that was that everyone knew that. Yeah. The problem is there is a limited number of uh, terms of venery for mm-hmm. animals, and um, 
when there are two, I'm happy enough, but I'm usually not even that well, fortunate. Monkeys ain't no uh, bird, right? If we lose this footage, I'll have to figure out what macaca fuscata means. <laughs> <laughs> so don't make me do that. <laughs> um, would you like to have it described to you? Sure. Um, macaques are monkeys. They look like monkeys. Uh, but these monkeys are covered in thick tan to gray fur. Really thick. Um, other, they're full furred. They're, that, that thick tan grayness covers their entire body, except they are pink of face. They have pink little faces coming out of their, uh, poking out of their gray and tan fur. Um, so they really do look like petite pink people in plush parkas. <laughs> they're very pink. They are. They're um, very sunburned, it looks like. Or like wind, like cold wind burned. Uh, yeah. It, they look very uncomfortable. But we've talked about it before. Larry the Cucumber has, has told us that monkeys have tails. These particular monkeys have very short and stubby tails. So if Larry you just glanced at ape. it, Larry might think it was an ape. But and it's, it's, a, old, it's old world too, so yeah. There are I a lot guess, more new world monkeys than old world monkeys. Um, I guess uh, baboons are old world monkeys, and they don't always have the most like long, like prominent monkey tails as as you are, like a spider, a new world spider monkey does. Yeah, they've got like the little short tails. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about how big they are. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio yourself saying, saying you're chittering, the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. Did I say that it was a part of the show that's that where we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms that's fun for the whole family? You just did. I messed it up a little bit. I forgot that mention was a quiz. I didn't, I don't have, this was, I'm going without a net and, uh. As you could tell. Who's Annette? Uh, Annette's. I wish Annette I could Birkin. say that's who um, <laughs> sent in a new Measure Up intro this week, but we have no new Measure Up intro this week. So that means we're going to dig deep into the archives and find an old, an old one. A greatest hit, if you will. And I'm going to scroll. I'm just going to scroll. Let's scroll to the ages. Okay, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Measure up. That's a solid measure up. Yeah. And among the earliest, December 8th. Is it? 2018. From... Chris, Chris from Play Comics. Play Comics. Oh, he, is a, another podcast. We guested on that uh, on that show one time back 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 in our old Thunder Smash days. Yeah, yeah, we did. If um, you're still listening, Chris, thank you. Indeed, thank you. That was a and solid, thank you for still listening. That really it really set the tone for what Measure Up would be. Yeah, we were still just coming into our own. It was a, it was a, it was a coming of age story in the mm-hmm. in the, those first 
couple of years we were figuring out what people liked and unfortunately measure up was one of those things <laughs> <laughs> well with that let's get into their height they're about 57 centimeters or 22.4 inches how many japanese macaques go into the height of the tallest mountain in japan i th- i could have sworn we've done this before but i went to ldtaxonomy.com and i went to the search bar and i typed in the name of this mountain and it did not show up so maybe we haven't wow Bo- um oh, so well, you get a five percent bonus if you guess what the mountain is i uh, I'm, i won't because i literally only know the name of one mountain in, in japan? japan what is it and if it's if it's not this mountain what then i will not get the five percent bonus say it say it k2 no, I'm just oh kidding. no! Uh, it's Mount. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Mount Fuji. That's correct. Is that the tallest mountain in Japan? It is. C- cool, because uh, that was the only thing I could have possibly guessed. Well, here's a hint: Mount Fuji is the tallest mountain, and it's on the island of Honshu. Did you see? Have it? we? Have you been there? Have we not? How have we not talked about this? I went to Mount Fuji. I thought we had, oh. but I couldn't see if we, we might have. But I just didn't show up. Um, it's actually. Do you know what it is? Actually, a dormant version of a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're you're. Uh, I'm I'm very smart. Do you know when it last erupted? Are you gonna give me a very obvious hint that could help me out? Uh, it was a long time ago, before the United States was a country, an independent oh, good. country. The 1600s. Close. It's the That's, same century as the, the United States becoming a country. The 1700s. 1707 <laughs> was the last time it erupted. Um, that, that is a little too recent for my my liking. Really? There are certain volcanoes that are erupting now. Yeah, I don't want to be near them. Neither would I. Uh, the surrounding forest is said to be haunted by spirits and yokai, which are... Um, little demons that live in a boy's watch. What? <laughs> there was a cartoon called Yokai Watch. Is that just Ben Ten? Where it, it, I guess it was kind of similar to that. Yeah. <laughs> or is it? Is it more like Ben Ten, or is it more like Indian in the cupboard? I'm confused. <laughs> I can't remember if they were summoned from the watch, or if the boy became the the demon, the, the yokai. I think they were summoned. I think it was like a Pokemon thing. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Kind of like a Yu-Gi-Oh. Oh, no, it was a game a game series, not a show. Yokai watch. Maybe it was both. Um Yes, I so I have been to um to Mount Fuji. I don't know if I ever told the story on the podcast, but it's not really that interesting of a story. Um I took a bus to the town that Mount Fuji uh that's under Mount Fuji's shadow. And it was uh, very cloudy, so I couldn't see any of it. Um, and I sat at a cafe and read the entirety of the first Dark Tower, Dark Tower uh, Stephen King novel uh, all day while waiting for the clouds to disperse. And I got a five or six second glimpse of the summit through a through a um, the like a parting of the clouds. Um, and then on my way out, while I was waiting at the at the bus station. I just took a picture 
of the postcard picture of Mount Fuji. <laughs> that was that sounds like my experience with the Statue of Liberty, except for it was like really far away. I was seeing it from the mainland, and it was tiny. And I could have spent four hours in a line to go and take the ferry to go and do it. But I'm like, I I don't want to do that. I'd rather go to a a, a restaurant that exclusively serves different styles of gnocchi. And that's what I think. That sounds way better. Plus, you can, yeah, you can see better. the Statue of Liberty from, I think, the Brooklyn Bridge. So just look at it from there. And then watch yeah. Liberty Mutual commercials. And you, yeah. you basically got the whole... The, the, you basically got the skinny. Super villains are always trying to steal it anyway, so who knows how long it's going to even. Yeah, so it. actually, f- from that perspective, you probably should have gone to see it because oh, it is yeah, one, it is it is, the, it is the litmus test for has has America been dis- destroyed or taken over? Um, yeah, if Cloverfield and Day After Tomorrow and all that stuff are to be believed, then the Statue of Liberty is. Um, is is kind of the 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 flag like if it's down then we're done um but yeah so that any idea how many monkeys go into this mountain um if you had to climb a ladder of monkeys to see the summit instead of viewing it through the haze how many monkeys would you have to take a while um Let's say that the summit from it's tough because the base of it, if I remember right, is pretty high above sea level. So if we're going by sea level, it may make a difference or just the base. But um, I'm going to say 12,000 feet. That seems like a lot because... I do know that like the average person can summit Mount Fuji with effort, but it's not like you need to be a professional climber in order to make it up to the top, like Everest or K2. Um, but 12,000 feet is basically a third of that. So of Everest, so I think it's doable. 22.4. 6,400 monkeys. Final answer. Yeah, 6,400 monkeys. The correct answer is 6,600 monkeys. Oh, with my 5%. That's, <laughs> looks like, is, is that perfect? Hold on, let me divide that by 0.05. No, wait, that, that was wrong. Mount Fuji is <laughs> 3,776 meters or 12,389 feet. You're learning to estimate mountain size. Oh, that that um, that extra five percent actually puts me over. But if it's a five percent margin for error, then I'm right on the money. You, yeah, you got a nursing school victory. It's been a while. No, I got, I got a. I mean, it is a nursing school victory, but goodness, that was a, that was a ninety-six. Yeah, you got a full on A. Full on A. That was uh. That's, yeah, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> so anyway, for you out there in podcast, no. 
All you have to go to sleep. All you have to do <laughs> is have seen the mountain in order for you to get that right. That's not true. It, it, See the mountain and also know know how tall it no, is. No, no, no. I mean, like, map. in order to get mountains right for measure up for in the future, all you have to do is have seen it. Like that's that's the that's the luck that you need. You need to go there. You need to study oh, it with see. your own eyes. I have not seen all that many. I've I've traveled quite a bit. And I actually haven't seen all that many famous mountains. Next time, I'm gonna so, say how 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 many uh, how many monkeys go into Mount Trashmore in South Florida, in uh, off of off of sample <laughs> yeah. in the Turnpike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk weight. There are 11.3 kilograms or 25 pounds. How many Japanese macaques go into the weight of wasabi produced in Japan each year? Here's a hint. Oh, goodness. Wasabi is actually notoriously difficult to produce. It requires moist soil, shade, and between 40 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. Most wasabi, apparently, is not true wasabi. Like, there's something called Japanese horseradish. I don't know if that is wasabi, a different kind of wasabi. Um, but that's, like, what's a lot of... There, there's a lot of dubious information about that. Including the amount per year that uh, I, I ruminated on this freaking measure up question for a long time trying to find information. When I ask a country mm. how much of a staple product it produces, <laughs> I expect a, a, a well-sourced answer. I'm going to go on a limb here and say that wasabi is not a staple of Japan. It's not like if they're starving, they're going to... Well, thank goodness enough. we have wasabi. Not a staple, but like a famous thing, a famous product. It's like we've got rice, we've got bread, yeah, those we've are got staples. water, and we've got wasabi yeah. to make it all go down smooth. Um, and also to make sure we never, ever, ever have clogged sinuses. I think it's like 12 grams of it can kill you. Like... <laughs> It's not a lot. Not a lot. It's, it's uh, but way like more than de- any deadlier than ambient in, in a typical sitting. Um, yeah, uh, my experiences with wasabi have been mercifully uh, limited. It's twelve grams of the toxic chemical in wasabi, so that'd probably be a lot more wasabi. 12 grams of wasabi seems like something that um, someone would do on a dare. I mean, there's wasabi eating contests. So Yeah. So those should be lethal based on... <laughs> I think sometimes they are. Really? I think people have died in wasabi Goodness. eating contests. Interesting. Well, we did talk about that one person who died in a roach eating contest. In fl- a Florida man. Um, all right. Per year, mm-hmm. 500 tons. That's, uh, I don't even know why I had to do the math for that. It's a million pounds. Um, divided by 25. 40,000. 40,000 monkeys worth of wasabi. Final answer? Yeah. You got a 50%. 
Goodness you gracious. got an F. Eighty. It's eighty thousand macaques. Oh man, I almost said a thousand tons, a thousand and I was like, "That's tons. too much." Uh, again, do. this is dubious information. So maybe Can you imagine if I said a thousand tons. <laughs> yeah, it's a. This would have been number. the best episode we've ever done. <laughs> uh, let's talk some fast facts before we get into the major fact. Sure. My fast facts about macaques are thusly. Macaques are semi-terrestrial and will spend time in trees and on the ground, such as the life of uh, a lot of old world monkeys, including baboons. Um, their thick coats allow them to be the northernmost monkey, besides besides us when we visit Canada. Um, Japanese macaques uh, society is matrilineal. Which means females, uh, oh, fe- like the, it's around these female-led groups. People, monkeys stick with their moms. In other words, their family groups, uh, especially yeah, matrilineal. Is matrilineal. it matrilineal? Sounds like marriage. It's based on marriage, like matrimony. Matrilines. It's a little French girl that wears. Yellow. I'm matriline. <laughs> Uh, females will stick with their mother's social group all their lives while males will move out before they reach sexual maturity troops will contain several family groups Uh, oh I I knew this right off the bat because I had written about it it. I'm always afraid of that like like that you're just gonna in your research find a I don't think that I... I think I wrote troops because it said, like, large groups. And I wrote that. Um, Macaques will communicate through vocalizations, including coups, alarm calls, and something called gurneys. G-I-R, not G-E-R. They're soft vocalizations. Why? Why make up a word? Soft vocalizations. So does that mean that John Mayer gurneys? (laughs) Yeah. He does. I've been driving 85. You're, you're, you're singing. Searching in the sky. Searching in the sky. That's uh, gurneying right there. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll concede that. Remember when who, what, you decided to sing more in an episode? Is that because somebody told you you should? Somebody said was, they liked the song and I was that. I think it was the Bison Bison episode where I came up with a new version of where the buffalo roam because none of that or um, home on the range because it's inaccurate. Yeah. Um, and someone was like, I like the song. So uh, there so you go. Japanese macaques are intelligent. What a surprise. Uh, the Japanese macaque population is growing and the, uh, to the point that they are clashing with humans after world war two conserve conservation efforts were extremely successful too successful. There's too many monkeys. Um, and monkeys can cause significant damage to property, steal food, and they even attack children sometimes, which is not good. I'll leave it there because I think there's – I have one more thing, but I think you're covering it. So without any more adoing, let's hear some major fact. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I will expound on most of those things. Uh, the major fact is called one belligerent and smart potato. Um so these monkeys are particularly <laughs> smart, like you said. Uh, they are, they've been shown to pick up learned behaviors. Uh, 
um, and very specific ones too, and pick it up relatively quickly. So one study involved having researchers leave sweet potatoes on the sand near the ocean. Um, and what? <laughs> let me what? just let me just conduct some scientific research and drop some garbage on the on the beach. <laughs> sweet, sweet potatoes are not garbage; they're delicious, um, and the monkeys know it. So, but the most of the monkeys brushed off the sand before eating it, which uh, isn't that effective if you've ever tried to eat something that has fallen in the sand. Um, but one monkey named uh, Imo or Emo, probably Emo. Uh, dunked her potatoes in the river, nearby river, to get the sand off, which was a lot more effective. Um, and soon, the other monkeys in her barrel uh, start, started doing the same. Uh, they were all dunking their, uh, their potatoes in, in the river to wash them off. But Emo went a step further. Uh, and she taught the other monkeys to dunk their potatoes in the ocean. For a little salt seasoning and that's not a euphemism uh they would even do it after every bite so they would dunk the potato into the 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 ocean take a bite and keep doing that just to season every bite which if i had to eat just raw sweet potatoes first of all i would have just immense jaw strength and uh second off i would want i would want some salt on it which makes sense um but this isn't. This wasn't a, a behavior that was. Pa I mean, it was passed down through generations, but it didn't dis disperse through the whole uh, troop of monkeys over the course of generations. It happened over the course of just a few uh, weeks or months. So they observed Emo doing this, tried it, and decided they liked it. And as more monkeys uh, jumped on the bandwagon, um, she was. She's a trendsetter among monkeys um and uh researchers also observed that same trail blazing monkey emo uh chunky chucking wheat mixed with dirt or sand into the water so they would put some um some wheat on the on the, on the ground um and rather than try to pick the wheat specifically out of the dirt or sand she would just grab the whole chunk of it with all of the the whole all of it together and then she would throw it in the water and the dirt and sand would sink and the wheat would float and then she'd go into the water and and eat the wheat that was floating um so she invented shred shredded wheat cereal well she invented in monkey land <laughs> which sounds like a blast i want to go to monkey land is it anything um, like monkey town Actually, you know what? I've been to a place called Monkey Land in South Africa. It's called Monkey Land. And it's just like an open reserve with tons of monkeys swinging in the trees uh, overhead. And um, there's feeding stations and they can land on your shoulder and stuff. It's very cool. Um, so I don't even have to wonder if it's going to be a cool place. Because I know it is. Um, no, she invented... Uh, pre-washed like vegetable goods? Se se separating <laughs> separating the wheat from the chaff yes okay from the wheat from the dirt. um yeah i was gonna say like a centrifuge but it's nothing like a centrifuge um so and the, so another learned behavior that these monkeys had picked up and this was decades ago but another female monkey again we're seeing a trend these are female monkeys this That's is right. a uh 
the metro lines. Um, another female monkey named Mukibali. Mukibali. Uh, she wandered into a hot spring while trying to uh, get at some soybeans that had fallen in. And she found that she liked it. And remember, these monkeys live in very cold climates. Uh, they are the furthest north wild primates that there are so and they have very thick fur so usually they're they're pretty chilly finding a hot spring this is a good find and deciding to use it is even better um so she wandered in and stayed there for long enough for other monkeys to observe her doing that and then she would come back uh as the days went on and other monkeys started to join her and now these monkeys enjoy the, the the hot springs they're they're high rollers they're in the high roller suite they have a hot tub culture it's a hot tub uh time machine it's not a time machine <laughs> um and another they even roll snowballs to play it with it's, there's no there, there isn't even a survival aspect to that you can just look up pictures of japanese macaques rolling babies rolling snowballs and playing with them it's certifiably adorable <laughs> you could um, you could put this in a loony bin it's so cute you, yeah <laughs> you could institutionalize the cuteness here <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh which is great they just look like little little um eskimos with with just big oh a big snowball <laughs> you're looking at it now this is just little ewoks with with the snowballs still standing on two legs standing on their hind legs and holding with their arms this big this snowball it's, mm. it is it is very cute but oh there's one making a snowman like by accident <laughs> stacking the snowballs on top of each other yeah <clears throat> But that's crazy because it, it's it's not just a wad of snow. It is a snowball. It's in a it's they they roll it, um, for no other reason than to play, which is delightful. But what is not so delightful is the completely unexpected topical nature of this episode. Like I said earlier, this has been topical. The destruction of their mountain forest habitat has driven them into the nearby villages and cities, like you mentioned. Um, at first they were endangered and then they were very not endangered and now they're uh, they're at everybody's doorstep and one such city that has entered the news recently the zeitgeist is a city called Yamaguchi which is not no it's it's not the tiny neopets that everyone had on their backpacks in the early aughts uh, it's the Japanese city that is currently experiencing the wrath of nature itself in true Princess Mononoke-esque fashion, the macaques have spent the last month or so uh, attacking residents of this uh, mountain uh, city, which is probably at the bidding of some sort of immortal forest deity, but researchers aren't 100% sure about that yet. Um, so far, more than 50 Yamaguchians have been attacked. Uh, no one has been seriously injured, so I'll start by saying that that I'm not that we're not making light of uh, serious anyone being seriously injured. Um, but people have started carrying around umbrellas and tree trimming shears to defend themselves as they go about their business because the forecast always calls for monkeys. 
they'll mostly sneak up and grab the legs of women, children, and elderly people. Um, one elderly man was um, attacked in his sleep. And attacked, I think, involves like it was sitting on his chest when he woke up and slapped him. <laughs> um, not like... I don't think anyone's really been bit. Again, the, no uh, serious injuries. But just like being assaulted by these monkeys. Um, city officials have told people to lock their doors uh, and windows. And they've even hired a team of uh, specialized hunters to catch this terrorist troop. This belligerent bar barrel of monkeys. Um, uh, but the monkeys are hard to trap because they're not in it for food. Like the Joker, they're simply agents of chaos. <laughs> they're just doing it to get to to mess with people that have encroached on their in their mountain home. Um, because if they want food, there's lots of studies out there involving sweet potatoes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and that's that's all I got. They're very smart. They like to eat their food in particular ways, and now they're attacking everybody in Yamaguchi. So they don't bite anyone? It's not. It like, doesn't seem like anyone's been, like... Really injured? I know uh, there was really a four-year-old kindergartner attacked. Yeah, it came in, one came into a school. Uh, they actually caught and killed that monkey. Um, but... There are a lot of monkeys in the city. <clears throat> so... Right now, people's best bet is to carry tree trimming shears. <laughs> Although the city has asked not to, for them not to be hunted. Because they have their own hunting um, party. Right. They have, they have their own wild hunt. Um, what, yeah, what they don't want is civilians uh, specifically going monkeys, out of their way yeah. to kill monkeys. Um, but they want them to defend themselves if a bunch of monkeys attack the kindergartners like attack your kids and stuff um, which is 100% what I would do not attack kindergartners but defend my kids <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I, don't, I don't want there to be any ambiguity there um, so yeah you got anything else? that's all I got alright so for you out there in podcast yeah that was the Japanese macaque so, take a bath in the hot springs, roll up a snowball, and execute nature's fury like the eco-terrorist macaques here in life, <laughs> death, and taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. podcast <laughs> oh no <laughs>
It's like playing Final Fantasy VII all over again.